Good morning. The last two verses of James. We have come to the end of our study in the book of James this morning, and uh, we are going to be looking at these last two verses. My son asked me, where is my tie? I'll explain it as we go. I've been on a rescue mission, and I forgot to put my tie on. Okay. Uh, I read an article this week. Um, I was looking for something else, and I came across this article, and it was written by a New Tribes missionary who had worked in the rugged hills or jungle area of Papua New Guinea. And uh, this is the way the story goes. A New Tribes missionary burst into the hut of an adjoining village where another group of missionaries lived. He was out of breath, and he was clearly shaken. He says, Randy Green is lost in the jungle. As he was uh, trying to catch his breath, because he had made a two-day journey to get to this hut. He said he left four days ago to go into the jungles to hunt, and we can't find him. For two days, the tribal people and I searched in vain for the 15-year-old boy before I left them to seek your help. It took me two days to get here. I need your help. The missionaries in this village quickly mobilized their resources, and every available man was told to prepare to travel to the jungle that afternoon. Someone else went to the bank to get money for the rescue cost, and when he, was, when he asked, how much should I get, he, they, he was told, get all the money that we have. He said, our plan was simple. Put everything and everyone into this rescue. On the fifth day, we flew into a jungle airstrip near where Randy was last seen. We reached the spot by mid-afternoon and made plans for the morning. The missionary women stayed with Randy's mother while the men went into the jungle to search for Randy. And Randy's mother said before they left, how long? And she was told, we will search until we find Randy. Get everyone praying. At dawn, groups of men tramped into the dense jungle looking for Randy. We searched all that day and all the next, and we found no trace of Randy. The darkening sky forced us back to the village for the night. On the eighth day, Randy's dad, Oren, and I followed the village chief as he diligently searched for tracks that might tell him what became of the boy. And suddenly hoots and shouts rang out throughout the jungle. Randy is found. Randy's face was so gaunt it was hard to recognize him. Vines and thorns had cut into his arms and legs, and bug bites and ticks covered his body. But Randy was alive. He was rescued. We are a family, and some of your brothers and sisters are lost. Now notice the way I said that. Some of your brothers and sisters, we're not talking about unsaved people who we know are lost, Some of your brothers and sisters are lost. I want you to look around the assembly this morning and look at the empty chairs. Look at the people next to you, first of all. 
Okay? Everyone here is present and accounted for. But there are some who are not here. They are not present and accounted for. I know some are on vacation, and that's okay. We allow that. But I want, to, I want you to look around and see who is missing this morning. There are empty chairs. Ask yourself the question, who's missing? Who's missing? Most of those who are missing are those who have gone astray. Some of them recently, some of them a long time ago. Our plan should be just as simple as the plan they had here. He said, put everyone and everything into the search and rescue mission. Now let's turn to our final verses in this remarkable book of James. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In a letter that has sometimes thundered with warnings, James now tenderly calls upon each of you, each of you, to exercise this much-needed ministry of rescuing wandering believers. I think of some who are missing from our family this morning, and like the missionary, I come to you after a week this week of seeking to find those who are missing. And I'm out of breath. And I say to you, look at the empty chairs around you. Someone is missing. They were here not that long ago. You did things together. Some of them helped you. Some of them ministered to your needs. Some of them have grown weary, and some of them have made poor choices. Some of them have become entangled in the world. And James says to us, brothers and sisters, that's what brethren means, brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, he's saying, believers have wandered from the truth. Some in our family are missing. The word wanders is the Greek word planeo. It's... That's how they say it in Greek, I think. I'm not a Greek scholar, and so that's my best stab at it. But it's the word from which we get our word, planet. And it's very interesting. When you look at the heavens at night, and you see all of the stars in the heavens, they actually look fixed in their place. But planets aren't like that. They move. They wander. And in the old days, they used to talk about planets as wandering stars. That's the way they viewed them. And that's the word that James has chosen to use here for those who have wandered. They have moved out of their fixed place in the sky. And the Greek word conveys the idea that just like the planets seem to be wandering, so are those who are not here. When I was a young boy, I remember one Christmas my dad bought me a an electric train set. How many of you guys had an electric train set? That was the coolest thing. My dad was in construction, and so it wasn't enough to just get me an electric train set. He had to build me a whole city. 
And so he built the city and paper mache mountains and sprayed them with paint and put little pieces of moss on there to look like grass and trees and dust and had uh, overpasses and trestles. And I mean, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. It was great. And that was my dad's present to me for Christmas. And so I started the train, and it was on the tracks. He showed me how to put it on the tracks and how to move the controls. And as I moved the controls, of course, as a guy, I just want to see how fast it goes. <laughs> and so I just throttled it up, and as it's going, it's doing fine until it hits one of the corners, and then the whole thing just falls off, and it fell off the tracks. And so when, it, when I would do that, I'd have to stop everything. And I'd have to go over to the train, and I'd have to take the engine, and it had, I think it had uh, maybe uh, two, four, six, eight wheels, I think it had on it. And I'd have to carefully put them on in just the right way so that it was back on its track again. And then the train would be able to operate in the way it was designed. Some Christians are like the planets and have wandered away. Some are like the train and have fallen off the track. Some are like Randy Green and have strayed from the right path. God is calling you to seek and to find the wanderer, to lift up the fallen ones and to search for and rescue those who are lost. Last week, Noed um, took up the verses before this, and there uh, is a section there about someone who is sick. And we realize that the person who is sick is a believer who is sick because they have sinned in some way. And the Lord has brought about discipline in their lives. They realize that they're sick because of their sin. And they call for the elders to come and to pray for them for healing. And they are healed and they are forgiven for their sins. That's a job for the elders. It specifically says that. But here it doesn't say that. Here it doesn't say this is a job for the elders. Here it says if there are any among you who have wandered away, We are to go back. And someone, it doesn't say the elders, it doesn't say the deacons, it doesn't say the Sunday school teachers, it says someone, and it means anyone. Anyone who is spiritual can can take up this work and can rescue those who are lost. There are those who are wandering and are deceived, and they are seeking for help in all the wrong places. James says, brethren... If anyone, and this is a warning to all of us, anyone, it means that there is not one person sitting in this room and one person who has left this room who is not prone to fall. All of us are prone to fall. And it says, if anyone, so it seems that any of us can fall. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone That is an open invitation to all believers to go and rescue those who have gone astray. And someone turns him back. That's the key. That's our goal. It's it's our goal to get that one who has strayed back into the fold where they can grow, where they can be in a right fellowship with us and with the Lord once again. Jesus said in Luke 15, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, If he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And though we apply this verse so often to the unsaved and the Lord seeking to win the unsaved, it's just as applicable to those believers who have wandered from the fold. James says that the person has strayed from the truth in verse 19. And then in verse 20, he says that we are to turn him back from the error of his way. So we have the truth in verse 19. We have the error of his way in verse 20. So I want you to pay attention to that. When someone strays from the truth, it means that in some area they have given up what they believe. They have given up what they believe in some area. The natural outcome of that is that they fall into sin. And when a man changes his theology, what he believes about God, that God is gracious, that God is kind, that God is merciful. Or in the case of Adam and Eve, you remember the temptation that Satan used to deceive Eve? He said, has God said? They begin to doubt God and God's goodness and that God is withholding something from them that they deserve or need. And when we think like that, that's a change in our theology. It's a change in our view of God. It's a change in what we think about God. And when we change the way we think about God, it affects what we do in our life. It affects our morality. A change in theology is a change in morality. And a change in morality is a change in our theology. It's hand in hand. Both fit together. And that's why he says it the way he does in verses 19 and 20. Those who have strayed from the truth, theology, we are to turn him back from the error of his way, morality. Both are hand in hand. When Peter wandered from the truth, he changed his theology. Because not long before he uh, uh, fell, or he changed his theology, his thinking, he had said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said to him, who do you say that I am? And Peter in a, unequivocally said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Good theology. Not long after that, he said with oaths and curses, I do not know this man. It's a change in his morality and his theology. Peter's change in theology led to a change in morality, and Peter denied the Lord three times with oaths and curses. When Adam sinned, he changed his morality. He disobeyed God, but his change in morality changed his theology. He used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with God as a friend. Now he was blaming God for the woman God had given him. Remember? Why did you sin? Why, Why are you hiding, Adam? The woman you gave me. It's her fault and your fault for giving her to me. How many men are like that? James is speaking about a person who wandered from the truth. This is a ministry of turning people back to God and encouraging people to live for God. So the first thing that we find here is that we are called to a search and rescue mission. James chapter 5 that we're looking at today. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death 
and cover a multitude of sins. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Matthew 18.15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. Second Thessalonians 3.15 Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So James is calling you today to this search and rescue mission. Are you up for it? Are you up for the challenge? That's your job. That's my job. We are called to a search and rescue mission. We are to be careful in how we rescue the lost. I'm going to go back over those same verses again. James 5 says we are to turn our brother around. That's what it means, turn him back. It means he's going this way, grab a hold of him and turn him back. Okay? Go back to my illustration of the train falling off the track. Grab him, put, it back on, put him back on the track. Same idea. Galatians 6 says we are to restore our brother. How? In the spirit of gentleness. Not with our guns blazing, but with the spirit of gentleness. I think sometimes, I remember, uh, uh, maybe it was in the intern class, and Gene Gibson was one of the teachers from Texas. And he said, you know, sometimes you go and there are people that you're, you know, trying to help, and you, you go out there and you take out your guns and you go... And they're not rescued. And you wonder why. Spirit of gentleness. Gain your brother. Matthew 18 says we are to go and speak to our brother alone and gain him back. Second Thessalonians says that we are not to treat him like an enemy, but to admonish him as a brother. And then finally, I want to reference a different uh, verse. Matthew 7, 5. Jesus said, hypocrite. First, remove the plank that is in your own eye, and you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Make sure that if you're in this rescue mission, that you're not also lost, okay? That you're not also um, in, in the same trouble. I want to illustrate it to you this way. Charles Swindoll tells a story about a young man who had gone astray, and after he returned to the Lord, he told the story of how he had gone astray. And he described going astray from God like he, was at a sea, like, at, like he was at sea in deep water, deep trouble, and all his friends were on the shoreline hurling biblical accusations at him about justice and penalty and wrong. But there was one Christian brother who actually swam out to get me, and he would not let me go. I fought him, he says, but he pushed aside my fighting. He grasped me put a life jacket around me, and he took me to shore. By the grace of God, he was the reason I was restored. He would not let me go. Are you up to the challenge? All of you who are spiritual are called to this work. Now, I don't want you to be deceived into thinking this is an easy work, because it's not. 
It's a very difficult work, and it's often discouraging. Those who do search and rescue missions often become victims in the rescue itself. Eric was telling me last week, and I confirmed again with him this morning, he was uh, teaching a class this past week on uh, the dangers of working in confined spaces. And he told a story about someone who was working inside of an enclosed tank. And so you've seen these large tanks that are meant for different purposes, and there's um, large enough for a man or many men to get inside of, and uh, there's a ladder that goes down to the bottom of the tank. And the first guy in was going in to clean the tank or some other reason, and when he got to the bottom, he bent over and he collapsed, and he died. And somebody up on the top was looking down, and he saw another, another worker look down and saw the guy and says, Hey, are you okay? And he went down the ladder... And he got down to the bottom, and he bent over to help the guy, and he fell over, and he died. And the third guy, and the fourth guy, and the fifth guy put on, I think, is that correct? The fifth guy thought, hey, I'm not going to go down there without some kind of apparatus. And he puts on a mask to filter the air, and he gets down there, and he also perished. Is that right? And so he, turned, he, he bent down to, to rescue them, and he perished. Five guys. One was dead, and the others went to rescue him. And they, they were uh, overcome by the same thing. There was a lack of oxygen at the bottom of the tank. And because there was not enough, it was enough to kill them, and they all died. When they pulled them out, they laid five bodies on the top of the tank, um, Rescue work is sometimes very, very difficult. Firefighters go into a burning, be- uh, b- burning buildings to rescue people only to find themselves overcome or trapped by the flames. Lifeguards go into the water, into the waves to rescue people who are drowning. And sometimes in the panic of rescuing a person who's drowning, they want air so badly and to be rescued so badly, they actually push the rescuer down under the water and they drown. Those who go into jungles often don't come out as they search for people trapped inside there. Eric and I went on a spiritual rescue mission recently where we were turned away at the door. Krista and I went on a rescue mission where the person was home but refused to even open the door. And later I received an email that said in part, in case I was not clear before, stop looking for me. I never gave you my address, but you went and tracked it down anyway. I never invited you over, yet you show up at my door. You are not welcome at my place or any place I frequent. If you show up again, security and the police department will come and take you off the property because you are trespassing and have no business being here. If you continue to come over and do not stop, we will go to court. Rescue the perishing. This week I took one day off and uh, took Krista to Monterey, and we prayed. <laughs> we prayed for those excuse me. Prayed for those who have gone astray. 
I uh, wrote to my mother this week about uh, an instance uh, of, a, of a person who had gone astray. I shared with her not the details. I didn't give any names or really any details, just an event. <laughs> she wrote back a letter to me in just one sentence. She said, these are the people that we have given our lives for. I said, yeah. I don't know how many years now, but I think over, I'm sure over uh, uh, 50, at least 50 years of trying to reach people who have gone astray. Some of them unsaved, but some of them saved too. We prayed for those who had gone astray, but every other day this week I've been on a rescue mission, and so too have the other elders in meetings, in prayer, in counsel, and trying to help people back to the truth of God's Word. And I know that some of you have joined us in the rescue mission too, by lovingly pleading with wandering saints, trying to get them to think straight, trying to get them back into the fold. I'm on the phone with wives who are sobbing over their husbands who have grown cold to the Lord, One of the saints met with a woman this week whose eyes bubbled in tears and she said, I wish we could be back home with the saints at Calvary. One of the saints met with a man this week and lovingly pled with him to turn back from running away and come back under the guidance of the elders. Phone calls, meetings, emails, personal face-to-face meetings, prayer. We've mustered all of our resources this past week to rescue the wandering saints. And today starts a new week and we'll do it all over again. They need us. At times I get discouraged as the rescue mission drags on and on and on. And then I think about Malaysian Flight 370. It began on March 7, 2014. It's over five weeks and they still haven't found that plane with nearly 300 people aboard. And as I look at the time and the expense invested in that mission, I read an article this morning that said, that said they're redoubling their efforts today. I said, wow. They have spent, uh, I think the last estimate I saw was hundreds of millions of dollars trying to find the missing people. And I think of the spiritual uh, comparison here and the time and expense invested in our spiritual rescue mission, I wonder if it will be met with success. At, At one kind of low spot in my thinking, I remember pouring out my complaint to the Lord. And I thought, oh, Lord. When, how, what, why, all those questions that come along with it, you know. And the Lord reminded me, I thought, you know, Lord, I am such a failure at this mission. If I was a success, the seats would be full, you know. And everybody would be back in their right mind, seated and clothed and in their right mind, you know. And I was complaining to the Lord about it. And he reminded me of a rescue mission he went on. (laughs) And it was at the very beginning. 
of creation. Had to do with Cain. You remember him? Cain and Abel brought offerings to the Lord. And Abel brought an acceptable offering, and Cain did not. And this is what it says, Genesis 4, 5 through 8. But he did not respect Cain in his offering. That's God did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said, and this is the rescue mission, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And he gives him a bit of advice. This is the counsel to turn him around. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. The Lord was on a rescue mission trying to turn Cain around. He told him the truth. He warned him about the consequences of further sin. But Cain refused to listen even to God. And he murdered his brother. Let me tell you, it's a hard work. And those whom you seek to help may actually turn against you as an enemy. James 5.20 Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. There may be some here this morning or listening to the sermon online and you've gone astray. Your countenance has fallen just like Cain's. You have been deceived and you feel ashamed of what you've done or you feel like a fool. And the enemy whispers, it's too late. You've gone too far. You've made a fool of yourself. But the Lord says to you what he said to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you turn, if you repent, will you not be accepted? That's what the Lord is saying. It's time to turn around. It's time to repent. It's time to say, Father, I have sinned in your sight. Forgive me and cleanse me and change me into the man or the woman that you intend for me to be. Although I've had... um, many disappointing rescue missions. I've also had the joy of meeting up with a young man or a young woman, and after they've poured out their heart to me uh, and their story, I've asked a simple question, and it's simply, usually it's like this. What do you think the Lord wants you to do now? And almost invariably they say, they know. The Lord wants me to confess my sin and repent of it and ask for forgiveness from him. And I just simply respond back at that time, is that what you're willing to do? And when they say yes, and they pour out their heart in confession to the Lord, that's rescuing a man or a woman from sin. And on the assurance of God's word, I can tell you this morning that when a person does that, He, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. And for those who repent, the Lord brings out the best robe and He puts it on you. And He puts a ring on your hand. And He puts sandals on your feet. And He calls for the fatted calf. And He rejoices more over a lost person who has been found than everybody else who's just fine. (laughs)
Well, it says we will cover a multitude of sins. James 5.20. He will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In Proverbs 19.18, it says this, Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. Deuteronomy 8.5 says, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Noah reminded us of a verse last week from 1 Corinthians 11.30. It says, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That is, they sleep the sleep of death. They're, they've died because they have not turned back to the Lord. Those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. When we wander from the truth, there is a limit to how far God will allow us to go. Randy Green was, was helplessly lost, hopelessly lost, in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. If the rescuers, think about it this way, if the rescuers had found him, and when they got to him, he says, hey, I'm not going back with you. Thanks for coming, but I'm not going back with you. I don't need your help. I have a better plan. I disagree with those who are seeking to help me. I don't trust you to rescue me. Then Grandy Green would have perished in the jungle. You say, well, that would just be foolish. But that's what people do. Those are things people say to us when we try to rescue them. There are some who have wandered away, and I really do fear for them. I fear because this is the attitude they have towards those who are trying to rescue them. And I fear, when it says that um, you will save a soul from death, what he's talking about here is premature death. The Lord will allow a person, the Lord has allotted a certain number of days to each one of us, but if a person, through their own foolishness and wrong choices, uh, does not heed the warnings of God, he will shorten that lifespan. Premature death. That's what he's talking about here. It's so sad when a search and rescue mission becomes a search and recovery mission. What does that mean? What's the difference? Search and rescue, you're hoping to still bring people back alive. Search and recovery means there's no longer any hope. You're going to find the person and give them a decent burial, but you're not going to find them alive. What's true in physical realm is also true in the spiritual realm. James says he will cover a multitude of sins. When a person is straying from the truth, sin is sure to follow. And the person who rescues a wanderer and brings him back into fellowship with the Lord stops that sin in its track. There's an interesting story, you know it well, about King David. King David wandered from the Lord. First he wandered away in his heart. Had he been turned back at that moment, when he simply was lounging around in the palace one night, and somebody were to come to him that night and say, you know what, there's something wrong with this picture of King David. You should be out in battle, or you should be concerned about those who are out in battle. What a lot of sin would have been prevented had somebody come at that point. A lot of sin would have been covered, would have been not done at all. But he went out into the palace roof that night and saw a beautiful woman, and he took her and committed adultery with her and had somebody come at that moment 
and stopped him in his track, what a lot of more sin would have been prevented. But David went further, and he committed murder. And then he had a child, and his child died. And then his own children turned against him, ultimately because of the sins that had multiplied um, in his heart. Finally, in fact, before all, some of his children turned against him, but Nathan told David the truth finally and brought him back to his senses, and he was restored to the Lord, and it resulted in covering a multitude of sins. What that means is it covered um, all the sins that he would have continued doing had he not been stopped when he was stopped. So, like I told you, I was in a down moment, down mood, and the Lord reminded me of Cain, and I thought, well, that's not very helpful, because that didn't work either. Cain murdered his brother. And then I remembered the Lord with Peter. I said, oh, that's better. There is some hope here. (laughs) There are some who turn. There are some who are rescued. Remember Peter? In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, it says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Love this next part of the verse. It says, And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The Lord knew he was going to fail. Peter says, Lord, I'm willing to go with you both to prison and to death. You know how often we're like Peter in that way? And when we're, when we're confident in ourselves, those are the kinds of things we say. Lord, I'll give my life for you. I'll die a martyr's death for you. And the Lord looks at Peter as he looks at us and says, No, tonight you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And, and Peter went out. You know the story. He failed. He denied the Lord three times, and he fled into the darkness of night in tears. And after the resurrection, Peter had gone back to his old fishing haunts, and he was out fishing again with his buddies. I have no doubt that Peter was despondent, discouraged, and ashamed. And he saw Jesus on the shore. And it says in the Scripture this was the third time that Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection. And he said, have you got any fish? And Peter realized it was the Lord, and he threw himself into the water, and he swam to the shore. And when the boats came in, Jesus prepared breakfast for them. And after breakfast, he took Peter aside and says, Peter, I have something to say to you. John chapter 21. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. It's interesting to me that Peter denied the Lord three times. And here, in this passage, the Lord asked Peter three times, Do you love me? He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. 
What was Jesus doing here? He was covering a multitude of sins. Peter, had he continued in his despondent, wandering ways, he would have continued in sin. But the Lord rescued him. And you know something? It was only a few short weeks later that the Lord raised Peter up and used him to preach to a crowd and thousands of people came to know the Lord that day. And in doing so, Peter covered a multitude of sins in those people's lives. Just think of how he held back like a dam the sins of those people who were saved that day. Thousands came to know the Lord. How many sins were forgiven then? And Peter brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And how many sins have been forgiven since then, including yours and mine? Because most of you here are Gentiles. Randy Green was rescued. Look around you this morning at the empty seats. There are more who are still lost and cannot find their way back home. I want to ask you a question. Will you join us in this search and rescue mission? Who among you are spiritual and will bring the wandering sheep home? Let's pray. Lord, when we think of your heart of compassion and the stories that you tell in the scripture of wandering sheep and you being the great shepherd and rescuing us, I think of how in uh, Israel's history you sent prophets among your people calling upon them to return to you and how you've sent evangelists out into the world to call wandering people to you for salvation. But Lord, we also realize that many of the Christians, many of the saints, have become discouraged, have uh, been caught up with the world or the flesh or the devil, and have fallen to the wayside. And Lord, we don't want to see just a trail of carcasses left behind. But we pray, Lord God, that we would go out and rescue those who have gone astray. We pray, Lord, that you would give us encouragement in this ministry, encouragement to see those who have turned aside, turned around, and come back to you. We ask you for this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.